Hello, welcome to Splitting the Veil. I decided to uh, just go for starting for once. Um, I'm Katie, and uh, I have a YouTube channel called Gildarthalon. And I'm Jordan, and I have a YouTube channel called The Exalted March. All right. I'm uh, currently recovering from a cold, so if I'm sick and gross, I'm so, so sorry to everybody. And they're going to have some great mouth sounds that are be... If you're into ASMR, this is the episode for you guys. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I love ASMR. That should be our new podcast, Dragon Age, Elven oh. Lore, ASMR. It would, be, it would get views, man. ASMR does crazy good on YouTube. I don't get that. I think it... I can't stand, like, the, the smacking noises. Like, uh, I, I just recorded... Uh, like um, audio for uh, a codex version of Hard and Hightown, and I just had to edit out so many of my stupid like smacking noises, and, and just oh, just so gross. I don't I don't do the mouth sounds, but I do like the tapping stuff. Like mm. that is super relaxed. If it's just like ambient noise and somebody taps on like a book or like a desk, that mm-hmm. for me some reason is is relaxing. Or anything to do with water, like running water or like spray bottles. It's super weird, but I'm like, God damn it, why does this work? <laughs> Well, um, let's. How do we want to start off talking about elven lore? Well, I guess we we just we kind of before we started officially, we were mentioning the fact that you know the the concept of whether or not everything in the Dragon Age universe is somehow related back to elven lore. Mm-hmm. Some people maybe kind of don't subscribe to that idea; they're annoyed by it. Uh, I just said I think I'm starting to really kind of get on that track or get on that train of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that might be the place to start. Okay. I, I know you, you mentioned in uh, our emails back and forth that you were, like, studying up on some elven lore. So why don't you in- inform the guests? What'd you learn? So one little uh, thing that I kind of picked up on while I was reading that I kind of feel is related to that in some ways, I didn't realize that the apparently the Magisters had first learned to visit the Fade in dreams through the elves that they had taken captive. And I didn't know if this was before or after Arlathan had fallen, but I guess as the Imperium was making inroads into into all of the elven territory, Elvenon as it existed in ancient times, apparently the elves that they were taking captive, they were learning how to use uh, lyrium to enter the Fade in Dreams for the first time through elves. Mm. Um, and I thought that that was really interesting because apparently, I mean, and this is kind of more an issue of perspective or or opinion, I guess you could say, but at least in some respects, you could make the argument that perhaps the Imperium was able to make further inroads, I guess, south um, because the elves were sort of retreating from humans, right? So as, as many people know, the elves were initially like immortal and they lived forever. And as they started to come into contact with humans, elves that would spend time around human beings would start to age. And for the first time, elves would actually die of natural causes. And so many of the elves kind of tried to retreat from humans. And and this is more just me sort of like extrapolating and giving sort of observations or opinions on that situation. But one of the things that I thought was a reasonable conclusion is that culturally the elves desire to be isolated or at least isolated from humans. Um, Because I don't think they had the same reaction to dwarves. I think if I, if I understand the timeline correctly, they were, they were in contact with dwarves or they discovered dwarves before they discovered humans. Yes. So it seems specifically like they had a problem with being around humans and that desire for isolation. Had there been more cooperation at that point? Had there been more of like an alliance, between, at least between some humans? I mean, I don't know if, if this necessarily lands exactly, but it sounds like the desire for isolation kind of gave the Imperium the chance to, 
to, to make further progress in their invasion, so to speak. And if you if you connect those two things to the, the first magisters being able to sort of get an idea of going into the Fade, I, I don't think it's outside the, the realm of possibility to say that elven isolationism kind of indirectly might have been a cause for what ultimately ended up being the Blights. Because without, without them sort of taking that knowledge from elf uh, captives, perhaps the, the, the magisters who originally went into the Golden City, maybe that never happens. I, well, I think that's correct. I almost think that's bordering on, um, uh, I, I want to say victim blaming. That's not quite what I mean by that. But like, oh, you know, you did a very small thing. Therefore, you did the really, like, you're the reason everything's gone fucked up. Oh, no, like, you're right. That, that, you're, that instinct is right, because I'm glad you brought that up, because I immediately mm-hmm. thought after thinking that, I'm like, well, it's not the elves' fault yeah. that they were captured and invaded. Surely not. Yeah. I, another point I wanted to bring up is that um, the quickening of, like, elves, um, like, historically in Thetis, they believed it was humans. And, like, that still may be true, but, like, uh, one thing that Sola said at the end of Trespasser was that the veil was kind of the cause of the elves' Um, being uh, divorced from the fade and therefore which caused them to age. So I, that's kind of, in the timeline, that's kind of, I forget the exact date of it, but people theorize that, that the date that the quickening started being noticed was around the date when the, the veil went up. Um, now it, it, it does bring up though, like what if it wasn't just that? Like what if like, yeah, maybe the veil it was some reason that the, the, the elves, stopped uh, uh started age but if the humans also had something to do with it too yeah and so i mean uh this is where i'm not totally clear i don't know mm-hmm. if you are but what do we know about like because we know there was a time where they said the veil was not up so it was kind of like uh Thetis was sort of sort of in the fade or it was all kind of one is that right or am i misremembering that so it's it's kind of Debate. Literally, the only information we have on this is said by Solus, and then um, the actually the spirit Gilderthal. And uh, when you go into the uh, the the Vir, Vir the the broken shattered library, so um, based on those two accounts, what it kind of sounds like was that Thetis and the Fade were once like one in the same, and that the Fade was kind of just like air around you. It was just everywhere, and it just kind of made everything just a little bit more magical, and everything was just it was very natural. Um, and then when Solus split apart the veil, or sorry, the fade into, you know, the fade and the uh, Thetis as we know it, um, it kind of stripped elven magic from, like, who they are. And it, it suddenly something, like, it, it would be the, like suddenly the air is just suddenly gone. You can't breathe. A lot of um, elven buildings that were based around magic just dissolved, which is why the Virdathara is what it is. Um so yeah, there was a question I was supposed to be answering. I don't know if I answered it. <laughs> no, I think I think that's good. It, it kind of got me thinking about the the notion of elves then sort of entering the fade in a dream state, which I guess it would clearly have to happen after the veil was was brought up. Yeah. Um, I I wonder if that is related to the idea of humans and dwarves being around, or specifically humans, let's say, mm-hmm. because if you think about the fade as being or 
yeah, let's just say the Fade being everywhere. It's like an ether. It's just something in the air that, that particularly elves are connected to. And then you've got these, these humans, these Shems, right, these quicklings who are around now. And they're, you know, the elves think of them as being really impatient and, and rude and violent and these sorts of things. It would sort of then stand to reason to say, well, well, these people, they're cut just by their presence. They're sort of corrupting uh, Elvenon, our land, what this is to us, because the fate is everywhere and it's precious to be to be uh, to sort of experience that ether. We need to separate this. We need we don't need we can't have them contaminate this. Let's separate sort of the waking world of fate is from the fade and we'll know how to visit the fade in dreams and these shems won't. I mean, I don't know if, if that's if I'm reading too much intention into that or if it's just something that kind of happened uh, otherwise. But it would seem that that would sort of make sense with my uh, my theory about elves sort of wanting to be isolated. Yeah, I, I think also um, even without ancient elves, like that's kind of what happened with um, the fall of the Dales. They wanted to isolate themselves from the Chantry when that caused that downfall, which... I, I said that in a recent video, and everyone's like, but what about the, the Red Crossing? You're like, well, yeah, there's the Red Crossing. The humans have something to do with it, too. But, like, for the most part, I think elves trying to just stay being elves and, like, really rebelling against, like, the Chantry and stuff has, like, kind of done them a disservice. Which, if that's that mindset could easily be put into, like, an el- like an ancient elven mindset of wanting to distance themselves away from humans and the Shems and stuff like that. So I guess I'm just saying that I agree with your point. <laughs> yeah, well, they haven't had good luck. I mean, it, I, I don't mean to sound uh, like negative about their isolationism. In a lot of ways, it makes perfect sense. I mean, they had a near perfect uh, society. And then the inter, you know, the interjection of all these other races and cultures. I mean, it, well, I, it certainly couldn't be said that it's better for the elves after humans came along. I wouldn't say it was near perfect, because like at least what we hear from Solus, it sounded like there was a lot of slavery going on, and like maybe the upper echelons of elven society did really well, but it sounds like kind of the the lower levels were kind of being shat upon. Um, you know, you know what? You're you're 100 percent right. That was another thing I was reading that I was sort of reminded of that I did is the class system. Not only did they have slaves, I mean they had a very mm-hmm. rigid class system all the way down from. From your top people to your like they were very clearly uh, partitioned out as far as what class you were in yeah i i'm not quite sure the specifics of it but like my understanding of it is that you got like the slaves and then you have slave owners that would dedicate their slaves to one of the gods and then you have the gods i i don't know how like in um dorvan society they have very clear caste system i don't know if the elves had something like that or what but uh I, I don't know. The gods have always confused me. I like. I think Solus made a really good point that like the gods were really just like they were powerful, um, like leaders, and then their their just role because they live forever. Their role just sort of morphed into what basically became gods. So I I'm wondering like how the forgotten ones fit in there. I guess. Yeah. So you're saying it's more, <clears throat> perhaps more akin to like ancestor worship than than actual deities. Yeah, I don't think they're actually gods. I think I think uh, it was a Dorian. He mentioned that uh, they're more like uh, magisters, where they're just powerful leaders that because they were powerful for so 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 long that they just started being worshipped. So, and and I think Ablis had a really good quote on it too, where um, uh, when when you when you meet him at the Well of Sorrows, I, I think this is only happens if like uh, you attacks Obelis, and uh, I think Morgan says something on the lines of. Oh, mythol! Like, does she even truly exist? 
and uh, Ablis says something like, uh, well, to you, it will make no difference. Like, it doesn't really matter if she's a god or not, but she's more powerful than you, so she might as well be. Right, that's a, that's a perfect, that's actually exactly what I was thinking as you were saying that in regards to uh, Corypheus, because if mm-hmm. you look at the Magister comparison, you know, Corypheus makes this really incredible claim, and I'm still... I'm a really big fan of uh, the first scene that he has in uh, Inquisition because I think cinematically it's just super powerful and the voice is amazing and he has this incredible feel to it. But I I love the fact that he's making this claim of being a god and you you actually, as from the player standpoint, you don't know if he's telling the truth and they do a pretty good job of setting that up in the storyline of the game. You don't really know if his claim is legitimate, Mm -hmm. but for all intents and purposes, he's so much more powerful than the Inquisitor in that scene it, like you said, it doesn't really matter. It's almost sort of like arguing semantics. He's so much more powerful, and he has a freaking dragon that, that is, mm-hmm. you know, unlike any other dragon anyone's ever seen. So, you know, he might as well be. Which I think that's what a really important thing of, like, what Solus is trying to say in Inquisition, and then what you later learn from his, I guess, uh, Fenharel club. I don't know what n- name it has, but um, when, when you go to his ruins in Trespasser, uh, a big thing was that the slaves were brainwashed into thinking that these people were gods and could not be defeated, so a big part of his movement were saying, no, they're powerful, but they're not gods. They can be defeated. And like just changing the semantics was pretty much why we don't have the creators anymore and they're locked away somewhere. So I think semantics can be a powerful thing when regards to this. So, super powerful, and I've I've always been really fascinated by Solus's sort of ethos or the way that he, you know, he sort of betrayed the gods in the sense that, like, you're right, what he what he was doing was changing the semantics, but he was also saying very clearly, mm-hmm. perhaps these people should not be all powerful and revered in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I just think fundamentally, if you look at ancient elves and and the and the caste system and the and the slaves and all of that, I mean, it's it's he he reveres the ancient elven culture probably more than anyone that you see in the series, and yet he had this sort of instrumental role in sort of taking down this huge part of it. Mm-hmm. But then also while being a part that I guess here is where I want to segue into like talking about the creators and the forgotten ones. Um, where so there's like the group of creators, uh, and then you have the group of the forgotten ones, and then Fen Harrell playing in the middle somewhere. Yes. Who were, I mean, we kind of have an idea of what the creators were, but we really don't have an idea of who the forgotten ones were. We have about three names. I don't know if you came across those. No, I, I don't. I mean, I have in the past, but I never mm-hmm. remember the ones. I think you've done a video on which ones we know about and don't. Uh, I mentioned it in a, um, the Valisleen video. Um, but the, the three names we have are Inara, Skelderon, and Darenthal. Um, in the Mast Empire, we learned that Inaris was at least a male. Um, there's a story about uh, Andrul and Inaris fighting over who gets to essentially kill Fenharel and then Fenharel turning them against each other. Um, Gelderon, we don't really know much about, but he actually had a codex entry in uh, Jaws of Hakon. It, that was the, uh, the door that opens up if you gather the uh, shards and uh, whatever area that is in the, uh, the the hack on area i forget the name of it um but you you get a little codex entry with him saying that uh, essentially he wants to be free and like i i have pulled i have it pulled up if you want me to read it yeah sure okay um 
skipping some of it, uh, it says there are no gods. There is only the subject and the object, the actor and the acted upon. Those with will to earn dominance over others gain title not by nature, but by deed. I am Gelderon, and I refuse those who would exert will upon me. Let Andrul's bow crack. Let Junae's fire grow cold. Let them build temples and lure the faithful with promises. Their pride will consume them, and I, forgotten, will claim power of my own. Apart from them, I will strike in mastery. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's, that's powerful. That is mm-hmm. like really, um, I mean, it's, it's, first of all, it's tremendously well-written, whichever Bioware writer is responsible for writing that bravo, because it's very succinct and it's, it's written in a very powerful way linguistically. So not mm-hmm. only is this person sort of asserting their own individual power that from a composition standpoint, as a writer, I greatly appreciate how well that's written because it's written in this very sort of terse style that, um, while communicating something about, uh, you know, that's a very direct idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what are your what are your general thoughts on on sort of what that represents culturally? Because I have a lot of that just inspired a lot of thought in me in hearing that uh, read. Um, I don't know culturally with the elves. I guess the one thing that stood out with me was their pride will consume them. Solace means pride, so I'm wondering if. He means solace here, although it's not really, it's not capitalized or anything. So I think it's just, you know, a, a, a figure of speech. But I, I think that it says, and I forgotten will claim power of my own. I don't think that's coincidence that this is one of the forgotten ones. And was, as I read this, I was reminded of um, Sandal's prophecy. And uh, which, um, do you, you know, you, you've heard of that? I, I remember, but I can't remember the specifics of it. I, I don't have it pulled up, but essentially Sandal says, like, one day the magic will come back, all of it, everyone will be at once as they were, um, the skies will open up wide, and all, you know, all the, all the magic's going to come back. And I, for the longest time, everyone thought that was Solus. What if that was actually this guy? What if Solus is somehow going to unlock the Forgotten Ones? What if that's who we should be fearing? Fen Harel and Solus seems to kind of be playing more in the middle, uh, the Forgotten Ones, they are locked away also, and we don't really know what they did. So I'm wondering, what if they're the ones that started the blight? We're not quite sure. So I'm wondering, like, why are they forgotten? Why, what, c- strike and mastery? I don't know. There's a lot of mystery here that I wish we had. <laughs> Dragon Age 4, come on. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I just think that the, the hearing that read, it kind of was what I was trying to say earlier mm-hmm. about Solus in that when I hear this this uh, particular codex entry read and he's saying, you know, their pride would be their, their downfall mm-hmm. and, and just the, the notion that it seems very deterministic and very individualistic, this idea that this power structure of gods sort of being, you know, the creator specifically being in charge of things and this this forgotten one saying, I will seize power of my own. In some sense, it's, it sounds very similar to, to the to the ethos of Solus in some way. You know, even though Solus mm-hmm. would have locked away both, it sounds like that's in some sense what Solus was doing, trying to say, mm-hmm. you know, we don't need the creators and the forgotten ones to sort of be these all-powerful beings. We should sort of take power for ourselves. The individual should be able to, to sort of do what they want. I, I wonder how much... Um, I, I guess that's that's the thing that everybody does. We're, as many of us are wondering about Solus's motivations. What is he actually trying to accomplish? Because like you said, he sort of seems to be in the middle of everything. And some of his actions could be taken to be in favor of one side or against another side. But nothing is, it seems very fluid when you when you look at his actions from different perspectives. I think that, 
I, I don't know if it's necessarily the best way to go about it, but I think we do know Solus's intention is just bring back his people, bring back his home. I think that is very solidly what he is all about. Um, I, I think what I, my question is, is like, how is what he's doing that goal? Right. Yeah, I know he, he wants he wants to bring them back, but then mm-hmm. I, I guess um, but my my question is in what form does he want to bring them back? In what uh, okay. in, in what 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 part of El- does he want to bring back the elven culture? Where because you know he the, the creators and the forgotten ones are locked away. We know that mm-hmm. that Solus is doing so. Does he want to bring back the elven culture where they're not locked away? If so, why did he lock them away? Like what what uh, new version does of, of elven of the ancient elves does he want to bring back or does he want to at some point in time reinstate them exactly as they were that's a good point i haven't thought of like the the elven gods are probably such a huge impact to elven culture that when they're gone what would elven culture look like so yeah they would probably have to redo their entire societal structure i did not even think about that and and he seems to be um you know, he seems even even his regards to the Dalish are not exactly as positive as you would think. He doesn't really mm-hmm. think that much of the Dalish, and he certainly doesn't appreciate, um, you know, the way that elves have been treated in cities. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things that I found really interesting, being sort of reminded of the uh, of the class system in ancient elven culture and of the slavery that was going on, is that it 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 sounds really bad, but it almost sort of seems like the unfortunate thing about that that. Um, that dark part of their heritage is that it seems to be repeated in the culture of city elves. You know, mm-hmm. city elves get put into these slums, and uh, they're 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 almost sort of. I mean, again, it, it it I don't want to get into the to the business of like blaming them. It's not their fault they're being treated so poorly. But Solus kind of has like this anger uh, that that I don't think is just purely at the perpetrators of the injustice. I think in some sense he's also angry at the elves because. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think he is correctly sensing that, like this, this dogma of uh, of the elven gods being above everyone, and like you said, the slaves thinking that they're gods, that they can't possibly be touched, that that leads to a culture where elves are then more susceptible to being exploited. Right? City elves are not behaving that much differently than the slave elves of ancient elven culture, and I think that's what Solus is perhaps trying to tear down is the idea that any elf should should think of themselves or allow themselves to be subject to this great power he's trying to say there is no great power you know i'm sort of fen harrell i can sort of uh undermine the machinations of all these great powers and i'll show you that they're nothing i completely agree uh, one one thing i i've i've noticed this and i'm kind of changing topics here a little bit um but the creators how i remember them because i i can I'm a nerd and can rattle them off like one by one is that they're for the most part they're in pairs and I've, I've always been wondering why you got like Elgarnon Mithal as a pair Falandin and Dorthamin as a pair and Julian and Gilanon as a pair Junae and Solis as a pair and then you got Fenrir and he's all alone on his own little thing but then if you add in the forgotten ones then you have enough people to kind of complete the pairs so I'm wondering if there's a reason why they're in pairs and if Fenharel once had a, a pair, so to speak. And, and, and th- was his pair forgotten? It's it it would probably have to be. Um it, there there's a quote by Solus, I forgot what the context was, but um someone said like he said something like, uh, betrayal is always so much worse and um I remember her face 
like kind of implying that he was once betrayed by a woman. So if that's true, we know, out of the three forgotten ones we know, we know Anaris is a male, so it's probably not him. So then Gelderon and Darenthal, perhaps one of them is the one who betrayed it. Everyone always thought it was kind of Mithal, but like for the most part, what we know of the relationship between Mithal and Fenhrel, there wasn't really a betrayal there. So what if it was actually one of the forgotten ones? That would fit to me. That would fit. And I, and I, I really think that perhaps his pair is a forgotten. Perhaps perhaps Fen Harrell actually is a, a forgotten one, or formerly he was, until he mm. was betrayed, and then he sort of said, I'm neither. Um, I, I, I don't know why I get the sense, especially when you had read that Codex entry, which I wasn't familiar with before. Mm-hmm. To me, it sounds like if that is taken as the aims of the forgotten, the idea that we're going to seize power of our own, in some sense, to me, that sounds like it's very similar to what Solus is talking about. But the the betrayal aspect leads me to think that uh, perhaps Solus uh, would have been considered one of the forgotten, and then he wasn't. He said, I'm done with all of this. I'm going to lock both of you away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which would, I think, kind of make his creating the veil and like everything, and his, even his reputation a lot more harder to but like I, I see Solus as a really tragic character like I think at one point there was a friendship between him the creators and the forgotten ones and that it just kind of turned out bad so seeing kind of what has happened is just really depressing for him and there, there's like a banter between him and Cole that kind of hints at as well that he didn't want to do it but it had to be done and he wasn't wrong but he, it's still something he regrets so I, I think that'd be really interesting going forward, kind of getting more story between what happened between all of these elven gods or powerful people or whatever. Like, why, how did they become powerful? Why they became powerful? And why were they, what did they do to lock away? I, I, I'm pretty much convinced that something that they did was the catalyst to start the blight and then the veil was trying to kind of fix that, like hide away the blight. And then the magisters were able to tap that back in. Mm, no, that 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 is that is very interesting. I, I agree with you also about Solus being a tragic figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think he's like the ultimate tragic figure. I think one of the reasons why Elven lore and Solus's background and his motivation is just so damn interesting is because it's got all of these levels. It's got these this scale of like you're talking as you just said about uh, the veil and sort of these these deity-like um, entities and um, there's this high-level sort of mythology uh, level to the whole setup. But then in Solus, uh, and it's one of the things that I most enjoy about like actually experiencing his scenes in the game, particularly if you play a character that's romancing Solus, is um, he's very, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a incorrect term to use, but he's very human. Do you know what I mean? He's very mm-hmm. personable once you actually, once your Inquisitor actually starts to get to know him. Uh, so there's this incredible scale to the story of like there's the high level macro elven gods, lots of lore, and then you can zoom all the way in to the fact that Solus is very much a tragic figure um, because I think of the betrayal aspect of it, because he couldn't like you said i i agree with what you said that at one point he was probably friendly with the creators and perhaps maybe even allied with the forgotten because at one point maybe his views aligned with theirs but he was betrayed and uh if you sort of keep zooming in so to speak all the way into the romance relationship with solace uh of course i mean everybody should know this by now it's massive spoilers but you know it's like (laughs) by the time you're at the end of trespasser if you've romanced solace i mean your heart's getting ripped out it's a tragic 
Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a very tragic arc to, to try and romance Solus, but like his experience is betrayal. His experience with sort of all of mankind, elvenkind, everything is like, I can't trust people. I'm going to get stabbed in the back. I've got to pull away. I've got to isolate myself and draw away. Like it becomes a very personal story where this huge like fate of Thetis is all sort of, I think, kind of wrapped up in whether or not Solus can actually um, it sounds super corny and sappy right before I'm going to say it, but like whether or not he can trust again, yeah. I think is like a big aspect of it. I, yeah, I, I recently released a video on Solus and I like I said something kind of like that. At least I tried to, I don't know if it came across, but I, I, mean, I hate, I hate talking about Solus sometimes. I know I'm such a Solus fangirl. I don't want that to like come out too hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, it should. That's the best type of person to talk about Solus. Hey, so I I guess what I don't get going on my own little rant here is the people that hate Solus. Like, I, well, I, I get why you don't like Solus. I totally get that. But I think the people that don't at least see his point of view are like, I guess the people, I, I view those people as the people who don't listen to him. If you don't want to listen to him, that's fine. But to hear his entire plight and not go like, dude, like what you're doing is wrong, but like, I get it. You know, like, I, I, I don't agree with what he's saying. I don't agree with his plans, but I get it. Like in his, in his shoes, I might've even done the same. Like, I can't blame him for that. I don't think he's a villain. I just think he's the, the tragic hero where like, he, he's honestly trying to do his best. He's not happy about it, but he's just trying to do the best for his people. And I get it. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. And I think, you know, maybe on my first, I think, yeah, probably my first playthrough, maybe even my second one, I wasn't like, a, I, I, what I didn't, I didn't dislike him at all, but I didn't understand like the fervent love for Solus. Mm -hmm. I was like, really? He's like, because uh, I think overwhelmingly, if you really had to take a poll, he probably ends up being one of the favorite characters in Inquis of the party members. I oh, think definitely. he probably comes out on top. I, I think I you actually, like, you underestimate the people who are really into Cullen, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cullen. Yeah, that one. Yeah. I mean, he's been around a long time. He's just been with yeah. the series for a long time. But um, yeah, I didn't fully understand the love for Solus until, like you said, I really started to listen to him and to kind of empathize with him and actually role playing another Elven character and sort of trying to get myself into the mindset of, of at least agreeing with him somewhat more. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's lost a lot. He, he lost... Uh, essentially the culture that he loved and he's seen it sort of continually get eroded and you know everything we're talking about there's just the and you know the ancient elven culture going away and sort of the loss of their connection with the fade being all around them and the imperium invading and then you know even the tragedy in the dales when it looked like maybe they were going to recover it's just like he's just seen his culture get trampled on over and over again it, it mm -hmm. doesn't justify what he's trying to do but i mean you have to damn well be able to empathize with him a little bit yeah yeah so one thing I want to talk about is how much elven lore has been just saturated into pretty much every other lore in the Dragon Age universe. You got you got you got connections to pretty much everything but the Canari and I think it's only a matter of time before the Canari get rolled up in this as well. Um so have you like looked into any of this or well, I mean, just kind of uh, the, I mean, the aspect that you mentioned that's probably most interesting is why, if, if the exception is the Cunari, mm -hmm. why is that? It, is it really an exception, right? Mm -hmm. That's my, that's my hunch on that is 
is it that the Kunari are not connected to elves, or is it that they're really connected to elves? Yes, I. So I actually get a PM uh, from someone. I, oh, I. If I would here, I'm gonna look up their username because, like, I want them give them credit where credit is due. So give me like two seconds here. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah, I just guess like there's that theory, right, that has been around for a little bit about like you know are the Kunari directly linked into that? Because otherwise, there seems to be a big. There's like, there's a historical like a history gap. Why is mm-hmm. it that you can trace back everything to the elf somehow except for the Kunari? Okay, I pulled it up. Uh, so it's uh, William Radko on Reddit. He sent me a PM, or she, I don't know. Uh, it's William. I'm going to assume it's a dude. Uh, William sent me a PM uh, kind of just asking me to talk about, like, um, my thoughts on, like, if the Canari is a, a created race, because Corypheus mentions that. Iron Bull kind of mentions that, like, there are dragon in the Canari blood. And um, there's, I think Kieran says something along that lines, too, which got me thinking, why so the canari the timeline is some canari landed in thetis at one point before the first blight and they were hit by the blight which is why we've had ogres for so long then hundreds of years pass by and then the canaries first really land in in uh in in totally uh, in saharan i think like about four or five hundred years after that um so there were canari at least from the entire time but they were just somewhere else and how did Corypheus know they existed and were a created race? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, that that really begs the question. I mean, the, the most obvious answer would be that, I mean, this is like such a stretch. There's no there's no basis that I have for this, except if, if someone, how does he know about it? Well, like maybe he had something to do with it. I mean, that's the only. Maybe. But, but then uh, they would, well, no, he would have. I guess then, so the, uh, the world of Thetis has, um, a, like, oh, the some Kossith or Canari landed somewhere in Ferelden. I, I think it was Ferelden. And that's where, um, the first, uh, ogres came from. So if Corypheus did have something with the creation, why were they plopped down in Ferelden? And the, the, the Canari believe that they came from across the sea and that's where they're from. So that's two conflicting things. Or perhaps they were created across the sea, but then how does Corpheus know that as well? Like, there's kind of two conflicting ideas here. Maybe they're both true. Maybe neither of them are true. And if the elves are involved, which, this is really random, but like a long, long time ago, someone was trying to um, make a very accurate model of Solus for Inquisition to have Inquisitor Solus. And um, they were complaining that they couldn't redo Solus's ears specifically. Like, everything else they could do pretty well, except for Solus's ears. And they mentioned that the, the closest ears that they could find were on the Canari Inquisitors. And I, <laughs> that one always stuck with me. Yeah. So, and, and, and it's kind of true. If you look at the Canari ears, they're a little bit more, like, resembling what Solus's are than the Elven Inquisitors. That look like, some of them are just giant and wacky. So, right. what if the Canari were elves but then they tried to mash in the dragon parts that's that's what i've always wondered that's a that's a crazy theory that i guess i I don't know how much of that is actually supported other than iron bull mentioning dragon blood but it's it seems like that's been around right like we've kind of been dancing around it but it's just like are kunari actually elves mixed with dragons yeah um i mean i hope they are god damn it that would be awesome (laughs) i really hope they are (laughs) Which it would make sense that why Solus is so angered with the Kuhn, because the Kuhn is everything he stands for. And if the Canari are tainted elves... Oh, shit. Sorry. I just I, I just remembered. Okay. Um, the uh, Dragon Age art book. Um, 
Oh, I, I feel like I should link pictures to this now. Uh, concept art for Abelos actually had him with horns. Oh. I forgot that. Like, yeah, I've always wondered why. It, they, there's a concept art with Abelos with a beard and then horns, which, like, that's totally no-no-go for elves. I've always wondered why they were going to do that. So what if perhaps Mithal had something to do with the Kanari? Oh, that's even better. Because, huh. like, she's Dragon Lady. I think I've I th- now I'm trying to find it because I think I've seen that um, I think I've seen that concept art. I'm trying to see if I can remind myself of what it is. As we're like, oh, I'll take out the book, but like it's you're not here. I can't like show it to you. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but anyway, I, I I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah that, and and of course that would have perhaps been uh, just too much. It would have been too obvious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then why would they release the concept art of that? Like if it was too obvious, like maybe they just think that only like hardcore fans are going to find it or like. That was like maybe it was supposed to be a helmet, and I'm remembering the picture wrong. I don't know. That's uh, a mystery. Yeah, there, I mean, there's there's uh, there's so many uh, mysteries, and then I mean, just kind of like whatever whatever happened with the Kinari. I mean, I think it's safe to say, however, they were meant to be created. Obviously, something went wrong. I think that's why so many things don't add up. As far yeah. as like. Why did they end up here? And sort of like, what was the plan? And why is it not talked about? It's basically some something. Whoever was initiating the whole conspiracy, something went severely wrong, mm-hmm. uh, and it sort of got botched. And then it seems like it got abandoned in some way. And then there's like these, there's these Kossuth who are now just sort of like, you know, the the Kuhn really seems like, um, you know, there's a tremendous amount of emphasis on order and on on a particular Kunari's role within the Kuhn. It sort of seems like the the ideology that sort of comes up around uh, perhaps a, a people who sort of lost their purpose. Do you know what I mean? It's like there's mm-hmm. the reason why they're so emphatic about like this is your role because if they are this sort of abandoned experiment, then they would have had to sort of make meaning for themselves. Oh, that's interesting. Like, maybe once they were guards for the Evan Nuris, and then, like, after that all came crashing down, they're like, fuck, what do we do, man? <laughs> and right. to which the Kuhn was made. Huh. I could see that working. Yeah, and uh, and it's also, I mean, it's interesting uh, that the, it, it's sort of the one part of the Kuhn that always seemed antithetical to me is the fact that they welcome other races, um, which which to me is like a hint of something. Do you know what I mean? It's like it, it would seem that if you're as rigid as the Cunari are, you know, specifically the Kossuth mm-hmm. would say, well, this is only for us. But they don't do that. They're very welcoming to any other race, even ones that they may sort of look down on. They'll welcome you into the Cune mm-hmm. uh, if you follow the rules. And I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm extrapolating a lot. That's kind of a stretch, but I just kind of feel like it's the heritage of a, a people's or it's an ideology that says we're not going to throw anyone away sort of like we were thrown away oh that's good i like that also gives like the cune like a little bit i i've always thought like the cune doesn't make any sense to my mind like if you're trying to sell the cune like why would you ever want any of that but when you put it in that light that kind of gives it a little bit more like I uh, more understanding, I guess. Like, oh, I can see how someone who came from that background would like this way of thinking. It, it's very, um, it's very um, counterintuitive. Also, uh, to mm-hmm. kind of uh, to, to piggyback off of that point, one of the ways that I got into, um, I don't know if I would go so far as to say appreciating, because my base opinion is the same as yours. This is the Kuhn is overly dogmatic, and it's, mm-hmm. it's I mean it's terrible. Uh, in, in Dragon Age Two, you've got that one um, 
the, the Cerebas, who you're trying Katoji. to free him, and he, he would rather die because he's so indoctrinated to the mm. fact that he has to die. Uh, I mean, it's terrible. It's a terrible ideology that, that, that kind of causes uh, many of them to be self-destructive. But um, even terrible ideologies, I mean, they have some redeeming value. That, that's, why they, that's why people accept them. And one of the ways that I sort of kind of cued into this is uh, on one of my role plays of Dragon Age 2, um, I was playing a very sort of kind of like a hardline hawk, just a very no-nonsense sort of hawk. And one of the one of the characters that I found most frustrating uh, in my initial playthroughs of Dragon Age 2 was... Um, uh, um, Oh, now now I'm spacing the main Kunari guy. I can't remember the rank anymore. The, the oh the the air shock. The air shock, of course, the air yeah. shock, and sort of like he's such a hard ass in Dragon Age two. Like my first couple of playthroughs, like I always felt like I was losing <laughs> in the conversations <laughs> with him because yeah. he's really he's he's kind of tough to deal with, but he sort of makes sense. Like he's so no nonsense. It's hard to. It's hard to sort of deal with him, and I, I thought I would never get the achievement where he respects you, like you oh, earn the yeah. Aeroshock's respect. And then one playthrough, I said, I just I don't care what he like. I'm not going to try and get his approval at all. I'm just whatever. I'm just going to play my hawk, and I don't care. And he got well, his of course, approval. Of course, that's the one where I ended up getting his <laughs> approval. And it was interesting during that playthrough. I, I still opposed him, but it's sort of like I, I oppose that idea, but I, I can kind of respect it when he talks about because he's right in some sense that. Uh, Kirkwall is a mess. Kirkwall's oh, yeah. a mess. Kirkwall is a disaster. And he's saying, you know, you criticize us because we're dogmatic, because we've got all these rules. But look at look at look at this city. It's tearing itself apart. They need to cune. They need us to instill. Now he's he's self-aggrandizing. He's kind of high on himself. Uh, like there's one, I think there's one response that says basically like, you can say all that, but we know you're really only here because your ship broke, you know, essentially. <laughs> you're shipwrecked here, so you're kind mm-hmm. of, you know, making a lot of yourself. But in some sense, he's right. The cune does have that element of order, whereas sometimes the other cultures really lack that. And so I can sort of see the appeal from that standpoint. Yeah. I, I think uh, now I'm going to segue into dwarves. So we just get equal opportunity lore talk here. Um, I, I, with trespassers specifically, and then also um, the descent with like the reveal of like Titans and that they're a thing. And that the elves had something to do with the Titans. Like I, I'm personally in the camp. So there's this one um, fresco uh, where it, it looks like Solus in one side holding like this uh, circle with a star in it. And then you have a um, in the middle what looks like a titan, and it looks like it's being torn apart, and there's a star in its heart. And then the next one is Solus or some Solus-like character holding again that star and looking like it's energized. Like I think the foci have something to do with Titan hearts. I don't know what, but <laughs> something if, to do as in they are Titan hearts. Maybe or in Titan hearts. If so, um, there's a codex entry and uh, I I have an audio version linked to my channel, um, but uh, called the Frostback Mountains and it's a story of from the Avar where um, Korth the mountain god uh, took like for some reason he was pissed off with humanity, so he took out his heart, put it in a golden cask, and then hid it in a mountain. Like, does that not sound like a foci? Like, <laughs> right. So it, and I, I don't. But the thing is, in Trespasser, if you look around Fyrdathala, there's foci everywhere. Like, there's broken ones just all over the place. So I don't think it's a rare object, but something I think specifically maybe with Solus's or maybe with just like 
or, or maybe there was a bunch of titans and so like just seeing all those discarded foci you're like oh shit the elves killed a lot of foci but I, I, there's there's some connection with the elves destroying the titans and i've always wondered what that was it, it, there's there's other like codex entries that mentioned that it kind of sounds like the elves thought that they were freeing the dwarves from something and i've uh, now that we know what the Shabratal is, perhaps like um, the stone, the, the, the Dwarves' idea of the stone, of like something that like they're born of and then when they die, all of their memories go back into the stone and kind of have like this, um, I don't know how much of Star Trek you know, but kind of like a Borg cube, essentially, um, where like it's just this collective consciousness. Like, what if that was once the dwarves, and then the elves were like, oh, no, I don't want that. And so they try to cut it off, but then maybe that's what even created the blight, was that the Titan's reaction to that. I don't know. It's oh, something's going on with the dwarves. That's super deep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now that we have a Titan that's kind of awakened, uh, and then uh, Valta has been connected to the Titan, and now she has magic, which, what? What's going on there? Right. And... There's probably other titans with Shabratal with them around Thetis somewhere. And then also on top of that, um, there's been kind of a hidden quote kind of around different small areas of the game called the, which says the stone lives beneath Orlay. What? <laughs> like, what is that? Like, the titan we met isn't beneath Orlay unless it's fucking huge. Like, if right. its heart would be around the center of, like, Winferelden, so what's in Orlay? Yeah, I mean, unless it's, unless it's that sort of central you know, that, that sort of central cube or consciousness that you sort of talked about. I mean, that's, that begs the question. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, th- I think another, like, uh, Trespasser came up with a good question, but they never gave us an answer for it. Why did the elves have a lyrium processing center? Why did they need that much lyrium? I, I've always wondered that. Well, I mean, I, I well, I mean, that, that is a, that is a good. Why do they need that much? I mean, I guess they would have used it for everything, right? Would would you ever have too much lyrium? I I guess that's true, but like, they there's just so much of it, and right. if if and that was just one center, there's probably other centers that we don't know about. What were they possibly using it for? I don't know. Like, in current Thetas, you use it to get more magic, but back then, the Fade was everywhere. Magic wasn't exactly hard to come by, so right. what would you use Lyrium for? I don't know. That's a good, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> and so is Lyrium supposed to be, was it, is it Titan, is it harvested from Titans as a Titan blood, or is that something that I... No, that's correct. Titan, Lyrium is Titan's blood. And Red Lyrium is Titan's blood in the but, Blight? Yeah, it's 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 tainted lyrium. So the yeah. red lyrium suggests so the 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 tag we go into in um, DA two, it's theorized that the lyrium there is tightened because we are or, uh, the lyrium there is tainted because we are in a tainted titan. And that thing that we fought is a lot like the the final boss in the descent. So. Yeah, man. No, I mean the, the the Titan thing. I think is is one of those things that um, it would be most exciting to see in Dragon Age for just some kind of resolution mm-hmm. to it, and just also it would be really really badass to see something visually uh, that kind of gets at the heart of that. I think just like I, I think we have a pretty good basis on Elven lore right now. I I feel like this is a conversation for later, but I, I, this is just more naturally coming up now. 
we, we have a pretty good basis for elven lore. I wanna, I do want to see some more exploration on, like, the human, the canary, the dwarves. Like, kind of see their side of the story, and then as the series progresses, kind of see how they all link together. We have a good basis for elves. Now, maybe next game. Because there are, like, a bunch of dwarves in Tevinter. Maybe we start focusing on them. Or we focus on the canary. Or maybe just, like, the humans. and like Because Tevinter is kind of the heart of humanity. Like, that's kind of where humanity came from. So mm-hmm. maybe we're next game we're going to be focusing on like what the humans believe i don't know it would be super interesting because um, you've got the elven lore going back really really far Mm -hmm. and you've got dwarven history going back you know at least much further than before humans come along but we don't have like that far uh that far back ancient human history or sort of like what Mm -hmm. their first um steps were like so i think yeah you're right that that probably would be something like figuring out ancient Tevinter history might be kind of like the way into that. Yeah, and I think uh, Vivian has a really good point in Trespasser and Veridathara. When they find out like the veil was created, Vivian says, well, that can't be. There's no human records of the veil going up or a time without the veil. And if you look at the timeline, if you, if we have correctly guessed that when the the humans were said to cause the quickening, that's when the veil went up. Humans were in Thetis when the veil was supposedly went up then. So... Why don't they have records of it? What happened to that? Oh, that's an even better question. You're right. That, I mean, that really kind of starts to, uh, I don't know. Like I said, I, I, now I'm, I, before I wasn't hoping that, I mean, I didn't really care one way or another, but I wasn't hoping for Dragon Age 4 to be into Venter, even though kind of all signs somewhat point <laughs> to that. Now mm-hmm. I am. Now I'm super interested in that. Because mm-hmm. those records would most likely be into Venter if anywhere else. Right. Um, so, is there anything else that we wanna that we wanna cover before we stop on uh, on this topic? Um, I guess the there's been a theory going on that somehow the um, oh the dragon people that Tevinter worship the old gods are connected to the elven gods because there's they have the same number if you take out Mithal who is dead in Fenharel. So, it, is that actually true? And Solas does at one point, like, actually Cassandra asked Solas that for some reason in the game. And Solas says there is no, I, I think the exact quote is there is no written history connecting the two, which everyone's like, oh, that means it isn't. But I, I think because of Solas, you have to take things at face value, that when he says there's no written history about it, that means, like, there is no hit written history about it. But it might be true. So... Yeah, it's like a total sidestep to the question. Like, it's a very political mm-hmm. answer. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that Maybe. It, it it would be a weird coincidence if the seven old gods were somehow not associated with the seven uh, Evanuris minus Mithal and Fenharel. So, I don't know. And it, yeah. it seems that, well, well now, uh, if you had that world state, now there's just uh, uh, your Earthremiel's soul in Kirin, and now in, I guess, what was Mithal, maybe Solus. I don't even know what's going on with that. So. Yeah, as far as as far as the original uh, spirit that wasn't Kieran, now it's mm-hmm. yeah. Like, I mean that, that's that element of it. Um, how do I how do I put this? It's it sort I sort of like it more because the old gods you start to get into the element of like what what the hell are they even? Mm-hmm. And then I don't. I mean yeah, that's a whole other topic. But it started. I feel like Elven uh, culture and talking about the Elven gods gets you into like who are the old gods? Is there a maker? That's like a whole other episode. But I just kind oh, of yeah. like. Um, the scale of it is sort of like hard to hard to wrap one's head around for a story. The idea of the elven gods not really being gods, I think that's sort of um, 
it's more grounded for a good for a story. It gets harder and harder the more you push the scale up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I think is why it'd be good never to answer the question of who is the maker. Because if you do say who is right. the maker, then you're going to be like, oh, well, who created the maker? Like, there's always going to be that one step ahead. Right. So. And the old gods, I think, are, are they're not quite in the same thing, but it's like getting close. So mm-hmm. I don't know that uh, my curiosity is is like there. But at the, some time, at the same time, it's like, is it better if it's always a mystery? Hmm. I, I've always wondered, like, what if the old gods, well, I guess 2000, what if the old gods were like Corypheus's dragon? And that had, but I, I kind of thought that before we realized that um, the elves always had immortality, I just thought that, like, that was how the elven gods had immortality was these dragons, but, like, they just had it naturally anyway, so then what was the dragons for? I don't know. What, um... It, one thing in the old god lore which I found really interesting was that they, Tevinter doesn't believe that these things aren't actually dragons; they just take the form of dragons. So they may actually they they might actually be able to take the forms of people. Maybe they are the Evanuris. Maybe they're even the forgotten ones, and there's just a lot more forgotten ones than we know. I don't know. Yeah, no, that that could be true. But then I think that that I mean that's that is kind of the most interesting thing but then it takes away that element of they're not really gods because at that point like they yeah. really have to be gods and then the, the it's interesting it's very interesting um but yeah the, the, to me there's also this element of like to me it would be very interesting if the old gods really were dragons like the idea of like they're not dragons they just take the form of dragons that's cool mm-hmm. but to me it would be even more kind of like trippy and subversive if it's like no they're actually they are dragons, and, and their power is just sort of like nature in a sense, right? They're mm-hmm. just these naturally occurring, super powerful creatures or beings, but they don't really exist in sort of like the the the, the humanized element of like uh, the way elves or people do. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully we find out soon. <laughs> in 2019, when they announced Dragon Age 4, and I'm like... Oh, Lord. <laughs> it's going to be so long to the next game. I'm kind of depressed about it. <laughs> Everything is kind of, um, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, held up, I think, by Dragon Age 4. Because we already know Anthem is, is like sort of like those mm. are the resources Bioware is giving there. Yeah, but, and, uh, otherwise, and, and it's that's just Dragon Age. Game. Yeah, well, yeah, because, oh, yeah, we, I think so far every podcast we've talked about, uh, is there going to be Mass Effect DLC? So now we can say four episodes in, nope. There isn't. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's Uh, another episode, too, like the future of Mass Effect. But, you know, for right now, we should just be glad that we know another Dragon Age game is coming. You know, Mass Effect will do its thing. It'll come back eventually. But we know Dragon Age is coming out, and I'm excited for that. Amen. So one thing I wanted to touch about is now that we've kind of discussed all of the connection to elven lore that the other races could have, is it a good idea? Because I get so many requests. It's like, hey, can you cover, like, more you know, Dwarven stuff and Canary stuff, and, like, I'm trying, but, like, a lot of the... I'm trying to set up a basis, and sometimes, like, the more complex, like, Dwarven things, you need to also understand the Elven lore. Like, Uh it's all connected, and I feel bad, like, I'm trying, give me a moment. But it's... I I don't... I I see a lot of times that people are not happy with Bioware connecting everything about elves. 
I like the elves. Like, if everything ends up being, like, just how we see it now, where, like, the elves controlled everything and everything's of all the elves, I'm down with that. But I know not everyone is. So do you think that Bioware should go more the route of, like, trying to appease the fans? Or, like, or maybe not appease the fans, but, like, try to go the route of, like, oh, it's it's more even, the elves did some things, but the doors were also powerful, blah, 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 or, like, elves just did all the shit? Well, the element of Titans leads me to believe they're already doing that, right? Because of the connection between Mm -hmm. Titans and Dwarves. It seems like Titans, although we don't know uh, quite enough, uh, we know enough to know that they were immensely uh, instrumental, right? At the time when Titans were around, they would have been like a major force. Um, Mm -hmm. So it seems like they've already kind of started to, to go that route. And the other route that I think... If we do end up into Vinter uh, for Dragon Age 4, I think we'll start to see sort of the Magisters and the ancient human culture sort of get the same treatment and more so because mm-hmm. it won't just be in a DLC. It'll be in a main game. But I like the Elven stuff and I like it. I like it quite a bit because, you know, I remember Dragon Age uh, Origins when it came out. You know, you run into that that sameness feeling. Elves and dwarves. This, these are these are, you know, um cultures so to speak these are representations that have been done in so many pieces of fantasy fiction um how could you possibly get something that feels original and unique and throughout the dragon age series the more we learn about their their elven culture and the history of elves in in dragon age um i think they've done a damn good job of 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 creating something that does feel unique and interesting Mm -hmm. uh and sort of even subversive uh in some elements um compared to the way we've seen dwarves in other fiction um so I like it quite a bit. I kind of feel like if, if you've set up that history and you've set up that lore and it's so interesting, um, the work has already been done, so to speak, from a writing standpoint. You can't just go – you can't go away from it. Yeah. I, 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 I agree for the most part. I think a lot of the people that are complaining that there's not enough Dorothy stuff, like which they are right, but I, I, I'm wondering if like they don't – there is a lot of stuff kind of hidden underneath, but it's like buried in all the elven shit. So like, uh-huh. <laughs> maybe maybe they didn't see it or ignored it, or they just want more. That's fine. But I I think we are going that direction, and I I would be pleasantly surprised, I guess, because I'm an elf fan. If Dragon Age Four is all about the elves, but I I would put money on that Dragon Age Four. Like, although it is about maybe like you know, um, hunting down Solus and whatever, but there's got to be a lot more, like, Dwarven and Canarian human-based stuff than Elven stuff. Because I, I feel like we know enough about the Elven stuff to get it at this point, and then th- more interesting stories are going to come from the other races. Yeah, those are where the surprises are, I agree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Be- because, like, at this point, I-, I think we have enough fan theories to keep us wanting more but the where the biggest holes are are in the other ones. So yeah, that I, I think if they were smart and hopefully they are, like they're going to be beating that horse rather than the elven one. So yeah, no, uh, agreed. And then uh, well, actually, just one one last thing to kind of back up your theory on that. There was that mm-hmm. one writer I keep forgetting his name. The one interview he did, and he was talking about how he was getting to write a story that was almost sort of like contained. Within the larger story of Dragon Age Four, I wonder yeah. if that's I wonder if that's not uh, an indication that we will get that sort of like focus on one particular history of, of one of the races. I hope so. I've always wondered. Um, so so there's the theoretical facts which we know nothing about other than they exist on Saharan somewhere or Parval and I forget which one. 
um, and the Canari took them over. Like, I've always wondered if that is, like, a human tribe, or is that, like, just a new thing that we just don't know about yet? Um, there's also, like, um, I, I've been slowly going over the Dragon Age role-playing tabletop stuff, because that has a surprising amount of lore in it, and lore, there's just a lot. Um, and so some of it's really dry, too. You're like, oh, God, I don't, like, I don't, I don't know the game rules. I just want the lore. Where's this Cliff Notes version of this? <laughs> Um, but, like, there's also something called fire sprites, which are essentially, like, pixies, uh, where they have, like, some sort of culture. Like, is that just kind of a throwaway tabletop thing? Is that going to be explored more? I don't know. Like, the tabletop information that it brings out is, it gives us a lot of more questions and answers, and sometimes I wonder if it's more, like, fan fiction-y rather than, like, canon. So... Probably depends. Does it say where the fire sprites are at? Because we've never seen one, right? It's there. Uh, pretty much everything weird that we haven't heard about yet is in like Perval and Saharan area. So right, I, they've, they've got I, it up there. Yeah, I I think the fire sprites. It's it's been a while since I read that page. I don't remember, but um, maybe I don't even know if it said. But um, it, I, I'm wondering if like maybe that's maybe that's what the guy's writing. I don't know. I I think that if they were smart, I think the four races are good enough. The Fex end up being a human tribe. The fire sprites are kind of like the. Uh, uh, do you remember in uh, the one with Felicia Day, w- the Mark of the Assassin? They had like those um, little gnome creatures that would attack you every once in a while. I forget what they're called. They're, like yes, the yeah, yeah. I hate those things. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> um, something kind of like that where it like has some sort of consciousness and can use magic, but it's not like a new race. It's just a monster. Right. So, but yeah, stick with the four, explore them a little more. I think everyone would be a happy camper. If we get Imperium in mainstay Dragon Age 4 and then maybe like a major expansion DLC going to Parvalin, I'll be happy. Ooh, that'd be good. That would be good. I, I'm wondering if, like, I, I'm totally expecting, because I, I, I've mentioned this before, I've always thought, like, each game was going to be something, and then I went into it differently. I'm expecting we go in winning for Solus, and then it's just the Canary War. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if we were like, oh, we're going to stay into Venture, but then we're captured in Provolan the entire time, and then the DLC's into Venture. Like, I don't know. It's, they do stuff I don't get sometimes. It would be great if I, if I'm surprised. Like I said, right now my my whole expectation is to be into Winter, so I would not I wouldn't mind if that happened, but I would not mm-hmm. mind at all if they pack like a really cool like like you said left turn. Like you think you're going there, and then all of a sudden it's like nope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, is there anything on Elven poop that we want to discuss? On Elven what? I said poop, but any like oh, okay. any lore. <laughs> I go. Is that a section? Like, is is there like a whole subculture the, of elven? Yeah, poop? there's a whole, yeah. It's it's this uh, new elven scat fetish that's getting into fan fiction. <laughs> Everyone loves it. I now that I've said that, there had like I don't uh, want to think about it. No. But you know, I'm some not going to Google it. I'm not going to take that chance. That that's oh, why Jesus. Solus. Uh, that's oh, why so- oh no. <laughs> I don't want to know why Solus is anything. <laughs> I no, don't want to. Said- that's why Solus uh, locked everybody away. He was just oh, like, you know what? Uh, He's like, this is not allowed. There's not going to be any elven scat fetish. I'm locking all... This is too much. You've all gone too far. <laughs> You're all getting locked away. I don't want to have would, to do this. Then I would agree with him destroying the world. Like, if he says, like, well, it's because you guys have got some really nasty kinks. I'm like, I, all right, I get it. Where's the off button? I'm going, let's go yeah, for it. I want somebody who can do a really good Solus impersonation to, like, dub over the game. And make oh that the God. make that the final encounter in Trespasser, where he explains to the Inquisitor <laughs> that that's uh, what it is. 
Now, after saying all this, how many tweets or replies or comments are we going to get? Like, hey, you just don't understand the scat fetish. You guys are kink shaming me, and I'm kind of offended. I'm expecting that. <laughs> oh, if, if you guys got a scat fetish, great. I don't want to know about it. Don't don't comment. I'm not going to read it. I don't I don't care. I don't want to know. We're going to lock you guys need... down away with the dark spawn. The dark spawn. Get, get tainted. I don't care. Um. Anyway. Uh, I think with that, uh, it's about time, right? Yeah, what a great so. way to close the show. Super yeah, classy. <laughs> we're talking about shit. Great. <laughs> this has been a great episode. Oh, guys, I'm so sorry. Anyway, uh, did you have any last thoughts or do you want to tell people where you can find you? Yeah, I think we covered everything. Uh, people can find me on YouTube under the Exalted March. And people can find me uh, on Gildrathalon on YouTube and Gilanon on Reddit. And I think with that, Darash Rawl. Okay, sorry, minor, minor disturbance. One thing, one thing. I guess we should maybe uh, keep people in mind of if there are minor disturbances out there. It's getting really windy outside. I don't know if people are going to be able to hear it on the mic, but it's howling with the wind outside. Oh, oh, so this is yeah. like a live cast about the hurricane in Texas right now. Okay. Oh, I mean, I can't. And just to go off topic for like two minutes, I can't compare to this guy Jeff. Like he's gone. He's been turned into a meme. His name is Jeff. Petrowski or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's a storm chaser, and all night I was like glued to Periscope. This guy is insane. Like he was, buildings were collapsing around him as he was driving into the hurricane. Oh my god! He's a professional storm chaser. That was the most riveting thing I've ever seen. It was so much better than everything else on the news. Was this guy like driving straight into the hurricane? I think his car got flipped over at one point. Oh my He's like god. screaming in, on Periscope. It was the most riveting thing ever. <laughs> so you're like about to watch this guy die, and like you're, you're I, I literally about ran. It. I literally ran into the other room. My brother's my housemate, and I'm like, "You have to look at this. I'm afraid this guy's gonna die." And he's like, "Why are you watching that? Why? Why would you want to watch a guy die in a hurricane?" Why would you want to watch a guy? I mean, like, I can't. I probably do the same. I don't know why I'm like judging you, but yeah. I didn't know how to stop. Like that was when I tuned in. That was like the first thing I saw. So I started watching him like during the worst of it, right as he was getting to the eye, and like I couldn't look away. I'm like, I can't abandon Jeff in his moment of need. I have to I relay his last message. Yeah, I gotta stick with him and use like hashtags like Jeff be safe and stuff like that. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Um, it's not that bad for me. It's just windy, but stuff was flying around. Some neighbors, mm-hmm. some neighbors' trash can just tumbled through my yard, and I was like, "What the heck is going on outside?" Oh my god! As long as it's not like people's trampolines. Like uh, my my husband had a trampoline growing up, and apparently that thing would just take off. <laughs> well, I, I hope none of my neighbors have trampolines, and if they haven't tied down, if they do, but especially oh, yeah. because across from the neighborhood, there's a solar farm, and I just oh. I get the feeling that those panels are going to catch wind, man. Oh God! Hopefully, like doesn't go your direction. A- anyway, we should go. <laughs> That's anyway, Elvin, Elvin Lore, right? So we were Elvin t- Lore. <laughs> we were-